Welcome to the Get a Grip podcast. I'm your host, Corey Grip. Welcome back. It's been a big last couple weeks in the sports world. We got March Madness coming up. I'll be doing a March Madness um, special um, sometime early next week, possibly Monday or Tuesday. Uh, it's champ week. We got a bunch of conference championship games coming in the next uh, few days. Uh, tomorrow night, we've got the ACC tournament championship, Big 12, Pac-12. And then on Sunday, we have um, the SEC American, the Atlantic 10, as well as the Big 10 um, college basketball. This is like probably my favorite time of the year, March Madness. Uh, so I can't wait to, you know, do my bracket, give some predictions, and once again, uh, have an awful bracket. And I don't know what it is about brackets, but, you know, I think the more you know, the worse you do, because I think you you do too much research and look, you know, too much into matchups and everything, and uh, you overthink things. I found that the people that do the best at the brackets are usually the people that don't know a thing about college basketball for whatever reason that seems to work. But either way, I'll be doing an episode on that sometime next week. But there's been a lot of big news in the NFL the past few days, and I wanted to, you know, just discuss it. Um, and we got Aaron Rodgers news and then Russell Wilson traded to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Carson Wentz was traded to the Washington Commanders. And Khalil Mack was traded from the Bears to the Chargers. The quarterback carousel is in full swing now. At this point, you know, Jimmy G will at some point be traded. But we also have, you know, um, some free agents that could be on the move. Jameis Winston, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Tyrod Taylor, Teddy Bridgewater. There's a lot that could happen in the next, um, you know, week or so. Let me start with Aaron Rodgers. Um, Folks, this is a one-year contract. Um. I listened to Andrew Brandt on the Rich Eisen show um, actually earlier this morning. And he basically said he's a former Packers executive. He was part of the, uh, he was part of the front office that drafted Aaron Rodgers back in 2005. Uh, he, he was there when Brett Favre retired and then unretired and uh, then got traded to the jets. Um, basically what he said was, is that I want to give him credit for this because I, I wouldn't have known this, but. Basically, the way the Packers structure their their uh, their deals is most of the guaranteed money comes in the first year or two, and then after that, um, there's not a ton of guaranteed money. So, in other words, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to get a really big signing bonus, but that 150 million in guaranteed money, it's not. It's really only for that first year. It's not all going to go to Rodgers, but most of it um, is probably going to go to him in, in that form of a signing bonus. So, in other words. Aaron Rodgers is essentially we could replay this this whole thing next year and you know for years you know Aaron Rodgers is extremely talented I mean I think when people talk about Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady um you know Tom Brady's definitely the most accomplished um he's he's great um Tom Brady does so many things well he plays so well under pressure you know if you put the ball in his hands 90% of the time he's going to lead your team down the field if you're trailing in a 2 minute drill um he's all about winning doesn't make a lot of excuses. He just does what the team asks him to do. And in return, they ask him, you know, if they, if, if he can trust them to get it done, that's what kind of happened in, in new England. Tom Brady didn't really have a voice. Uh, he took less money. And in return, the Patriots surrounded him with a, with a solid team on all fronts, offensive line, secondary um, playmakers for most of his career until, until the last couple of years. And then obviously great coaching. And then in Tampa, he got a little bit more input, he was able to convince them to bring in Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski. Then they also obviously Leonard Fournette. And then they obviously already had 
you know, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Devin White, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, a good offensive line, young playmakers in the secondary. So my point is, is that, you know, for me, we're just going to replay this Aaron Rodgers situation this time next year. Really? I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers has had a great career. Uh, I think, when, like I said, going back to the Tom Brady comparison, I think Rodgers is more talented than Tom Brady. As far as arm talent, um, just ability to make more difficult types of throws, especially in his prime. But, but even now, I think Rodgers can still make some crazy throws. But Aaron Rodgers has been unbelievable the last couple of years in the regular season. You know, he's had three straight 13 and three records, back-to-back MVPs. Um, he's had his two highest completion percentage seasons um, in, a, in a full season of starting the last two years. He completed 70% of his passes in 2020 and then 68.9 in, in this past season. He had his two highest passer ratings since his 2011 MVP year, which many many regard as his best, the best season of his career. And then obviously he had 48 touchdowns, five interceptions in 2020 and 37 and four this year. Rogers talent is undeniable, but the thing that you can't deny is that this guy just doesn't show up in big games. Uh, people go over this all the time, but since the 2010, 11 Super Bowl run where the Packers were the sixth seed and went on a, you know, a road wild card Super Bowl push winning four in a row. I mean, look at some of the guys, look at some of the quarterbacks he's beaten, you know, Joe Webb, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, um, you know, the Des Bryant game, which many, many, you know, people think that Des caught it. Um, you know, he beat a really bad Russell Wilson Seahawks team a couple years ago. He beat a Jared Goff led Rams team with where Aaron Donald was playing at 50% and Jared Goff was throwing with a fractured thumb. You know, it's just, you got to wonder like this, you know, Aaron Rodgers just does not come up big in the playoffs. I mean, I think this past all, I think this past playoffs, this, this was his worst loss of his playoff career. You know, you're at home, you're the one seed. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is not a hundred percent. You got the elements on your side and the Packers lost 13 to 10 after opening, going on an opening drive touchdown. Um, unbelievable, really. You know, but this this might have been the one of the Packers' best teams um, in Aaron Rodgers' career. Defensively, they were pretty, they were really good uh, talent wise. They got Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith back for the playoffs. But talent wise, yeah, th- this might have been his best and deepest team. The one the one caveat would be that the Packers never really had a solid number two receiver. But you know, I like I like uh, Valdez Scantling. I like Alan Lazard. Um, I think the problem is that Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust people. Um, really, he only trusted Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones in that playoff game, and quite frankly, that's why they lost. Um, he missed. He just refused to throw to anybody else, and when he did, it, it, it just wasn't a great throw or a great play by him. You know, Aaron Rodgers is talented as he is. You know, this guy just loves the spotlight. He loves the attention. Um, and I, I feel, you know, and I think it's a shame that he went through this whole two year ordeal about how he wants more input and how he feels disrespected and he would ghost the Packers. And for all of that, what he did it for money, really? I mean, that's what we're doing now. I mean, listen, I get it. Um, Aaron Rodgers is still playing at a top five level. And, and I, I do agree that to some level, they should have communicated with him that they were going to draft Jordan Love and he should feel disrespected. But you got to keep in mind, like Rodgers has to look himself in the mirror. 
he was not Rodgers missed most of two seasons in 2017, 2018. Uh, they had been to, you know, the last time they went to the NFC Championship game in 2016, they got blown out. In 2014, they had a meltdown in the last five minutes. You know, and, and so you got to wonder, you know, Rodgers since 2014, you know, four years, you know, out of four years, only one of them was actually really, really good. And and so in the Packers' mind, you got to be thinking, well, you know, he hasn't been playing well. And even in 2019, when they when Packers were 13-3, and three, they were maybe one of the worst 13-3 and three football teams I can remember watching the NFL for the past 12 years. I mean, they won a lot of close games against bad teams. Um they weren't, they didn't, they didn't have the look of a, of a 13 win team. They just, they didn't look dominant in any facet of the game. Then they get to the NFC championship game and they get steam, they get boat raced by San Francisco. Um, you know, when Raheem Mostert had four touchdowns. So, you know, that's the thing, right? Like, and so now, now with the Packers, right? Aaron Rodgers, he's been complaining his whole career that he doesn't have enough help. And, and, and people that defend Aaron Rodgers and saying he doesn't have enough help. You had the best. You had arguably the best receiver in football, or uh, a, a above average running back, BB plus running back, good offensive line. Even with all the injuries they had on the offensive line, they were still a top. They were still a top 10, 12 unit defense. This is the best defense Aaron Rodgers has had since that his his Super Bowl run back in twenty ten. And for what? You go thirteen and three, you win another regular season MVP, and then what? You lose in the playoffs, like. I, I was one of the few people that believe that Joe Burrow should have won the MVP. If we're talking valuable, I mean, no one was more valuable to their team than Joe Burrow this year. Um, you know, to get a team that many predicted to finish last in the AFC North and to have like four or five wins to get them to double digit wins, win the AFC North and then get to the Super Bowl. That's, that's valuable. And I, and I think the NFL needs to change the MVP voting rules and change it to you know, they vote for the MVP after the, the conference championship games. I think that would be a better indicator of who really is valuable. But now I think the narrative is going to be Aaron Rodgers is going to say, well, you know, I don't have enough help. It's like, well, buddy, you don't have to take $50 million. Like that is your decision. Like you're the one that pushed for this, put the Packers in a corner. Um, so now, you know, if the Packers roster gets worse, that's on Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they have a few free agents of significance. Robert Tunyon, their, their number one tight end before he tore his ACL. Devondre Campbell had over 120 tackles this season with the team. Um, Valdez Scantling is an unrestricted free agent. Alan Lazard is a restricted free agent. And then if you look at some, because the Packers are already $30 million over the salary cap, I mean, they are in salary cap hell right now. There are a bunch of players that could be cut. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. I mean, Zadarius Smith's 2022 cap hits over 27 million. If they cut him, they'll save 15 million. Preston Smith's 19 million cap hit. They'll save 12 if they cut him. Um, you know, so there, there. Dean Lowry's another guy that could be cut. So there are a few players that the Packers could cut that are talented, but they ha- they might not have a choice. And then obviously, do they want to re-sign Devontae Adams to a long-term deal? I don't know how this is going to play out. If Devontae Adams isn't signed to a long-term extension, I mean, the way I see it is that, are we going to replay this whole ordeal next offseason? Um, I don't know. But either way, you know, Rodgers, great quarterback. Um, but, you know, you got to wonder if this is going to happen, Is if this is going to be a year-to-year thing until he f- officially retires. And also to the Packers, they're ro- roster wise, they're not going to be nearly as good um, next season 
Um, you know, they still don't have a number two receiver. You know, the three of their top four receivers from this past year are free agents. They're tight end. They're going to have to cut some of their, you know, more valuable defensive players. Um, but to be having said that, the NFC is wide open. Um, outside of the Rams, you know, the Bucks, no more Tom Brady unless he pulls a shocker and comes out of retirement. Um, the Saints, they're a mess. Uh, they don't have that new coach. They don't have a quarterback. They're way over the salary cap still. Um, the Viking, the, the division itself is still a mess. Bears and Lions are constantly rebuilding. Vikings, new coach. Kirk Cousins is just average. Uh, and then if you look at the NFC, Seahawks are now in rebuild mode. The Cardinals, you know, they're kind of in a they, – they don't have a great coach. Uh, if Trey Lance lives up to the potential that I think he can – I think San Francisco could be interesting next year. The Cowboys, perennial choke artists. So if you really look at the big picture, Rodgers staying in Green Bay, in theory, they should be the favorites to come out of the NFC and get to the Super Bowl next year. But as we've seen in previous years, um, Aaron Rodgers just comes up short in big playoff games. So um, he better do it this year because he made a lot of noise past couple years and for what, two MVPs and, um, you know, L's in the playoffs? Yeah, that's not going to fly. Um, shifting to Russell Wilson. I mean, that was a massive trade. I mean, it was reported that my Tom Palacero of NFL network, they were talking for weeks, you know, leading up to the combine where they had a face-to-face meeting between George Payton, the GM of the Broncos and John Schneider, the GM of the Seahawks. I never bought into the reports that the Seahawks were not shopping Russell Wilson. I never bought into that because they'd be stupid not to look at, look at it. I feel bad for Russell Wilson, and and I truly, you know, I think that Russell Wilson got a bad rap the last few years from people around the league and from fans. Think about it. You know, a lot of people were using the same argument that they used for Matthew Stafford, right? Everyone was saying, oh, well, Matthew Stafford had Calvin Johnson. You know, he's one of the most dynamic wide receivers all, all time, and that's a true statement. However, you can't ignore everything else, right? Like, People, people seem to forget sometimes that football is a 53-man sport. You can't just have a really good quarterback and a Hall of Fame receiver and expect to do anything, right? And, and so that's that's the narrative that I hate, right? Russell Wilson was, was fighting upstream to win games on a regular basis in Seattle. And I'll give you an example. Since the 2014 and even 2015 seasons, the Seattle De- Seahawks defense has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Ever since the Legion of Boom slowly deteriorated, they have been an awful, very below average defense at best. They have zero, very little pass rush. They give up a lot of big plays. Their defense has not been good. Russell Wilson has had to overcome so many deficiencies on the Seahawks roster, not to mention the fact that their offensive line, since they traded center Max Unger to the Saints for Jimmy Graham, Right before the 2015 season, they have been one of the worst five offensive lines almost every single year. Uh, I will agree, Russell Wilson sometimes runs into sacks, but most of that pressure and most of the time he runs into sacks, it's because he knows I got to make a play because I know that my offensive line can't hold up. The Seahawks had an awful offensive line for years, and they never really fully invested in fixing it. They tried to fix it with some late first round or second round picks and they picked guys that just didn't work. So the Seahawks have been a mess at drafting. Um, the Jamal Adams trade was a huge whiff, you know, and, and Pete Carroll is outdated. Um, he just, you know, he wants it his way. And, you know, Pete Carroll's had a really good coaching career, but it was time to move on for both sides. And, and frankly, Russell Wilson deserved better. 
And I think the Broncos give him an opportunity to really succeed. Now, I will say this. The Broncos are not nearly as good as they were when Peyton Manning came in in 2012. But they're pretty close. The only thing I would say about Denver, I love the receivers. Uh, Jerry Judy is one of the best young route runners in the league. Tim Patrick led the team in touchdowns last year. And then Cortland Sutton's an excellent deep ball uh, playmaker. Javante Williams uh, had a really nice rookie year out of North Carolina. Um, you know, but here's the thing. I think Denver, they got $26 million in cap space. If you look at some of their free agents, not a lot of significant pieces, but uh, four significant free agents, Melvin Gordon, I would anticipate they bring him back. I, I, I think the Broncos really like the timeshare split between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. But they also, you know, three free agents in the secondary, Bryce Callahan, Kareem Jackson, and, and Kyle Fuller. I would expect the Broncos to resign two of those three. The Broncos secondary last year was absolutely outstanding. Um, they, you know, helped Denver be top five in the league in scoring defense. They were also top 10 in fewest passing yards allowed. And they were, you know, and they were just outstanding uh, defensively last year. And they were also top 10 in yards allowed per game. The Broncos defense last year was really good. And listen, the Broncos the past couple of years have been really competitive. The problem is, is that they just haven't had competent quarterback play proving that in the NFL, you can have a great roster, but if you don't have the quarterback situation figured out, you can only, you can, you can only win so many games. You can only win so many games. And, um, and I think the people that believe that Denver isn't going to even be second in the division, first of all, I'm just going to assume, really, I mean, I'm looking at the Broncos situation. Their offensive line is not great, but I would say they're about average to above average. Uh, they got some young linemen. Um, they got some young offensive linemen. Garrett Bowles looked like to be a bust. Um, one of the most penalized linemen, you know, for a few years. And then the last couple of years, he's really turned things around. Lloyd Cushenberry, Dalton Risner, Graham Glasnow, uh, Quinn Mirnez. All young guys, I, I think those guys, you know, and with young linemen because of the new CBA, uh, you don't get as many, you know, padded practices, as many mini camp practices. Uh, you don't get as many reps. So I think young linemen take a longer, they take longer than usual to develop. Uh, they don't develop right away. It might take them a couple years. So I think the Broncos offensive line will work itself out. The only thing I would say the Broncos need on, on offense is maybe a tight end where they, they can get in the draft. Um, defensively, I think they need to find a playmaker or two in their front seven. Uh, I would, I would expect, I think Vaughn Miller is going to come back. If Bradley Chubb can stay healthy, he's a pro bowl level talent, but I think they need a, I think they need a playmaker at linebacker and maybe another pass rusher. And then I, if they can resign two of those guys in the secondary, along with Pat Sertain and, and Justin Simmons and Ronald Darby, I think they're going to be all right defensively, but listen, the Broncos were actually pretty good last year, right? I mean, I think, you know, they won seven games, but they lost a lot of really competitive games. And, and that's where I think it's lost in the motion. Um, they, they went to Kansas City on a Sunday night and nearly beat them. I mean, if it weren't for a pick six by Daniel Sorensen, the Broncos were right there the whole game. And uh, I, because I think the Broncos match up really well with, you know, the Chiefs. And, and I think that's why the Broncos need to really attack the secondary. And really bring those guys back because I think they match up really well with the perimeter weapons that the Chiefs have and the Chargers have. Remember, the Broncos also split with um, they also split with the Chargers last year. So yes, while I will admit 
the Broncos were one in five in division play last year. Um, you know, they, they competed with the Raiders both times. They nearly beat Kansas city and arrowhead. I mean, they were competitive the whole game. And then if it weren't, and then, you know, they lost the chiefs in a pretty much a meaningless game late in the year. But if it weren't for a, you know, a, a strip sack and a scoop and score, I mean, they were right there as well. So that's what I'll say about Denver. Um, I really like their roster. I think the Chargers are overrated. I mean, what have the Chargers proven? You know, everyone keeps saying that the Chargers are this and that. You know, these are the same these are the same people that said the Chargers are going to make the playoffs this year. I'm one of those people with the Chargers. I need to see it to believe it. Kind of like the Browns. There there are a few teams in my see it to believe it list where I'm never going to pick them to make the playoffs again until I see some consistency. The Browns are there, the Chargers are there, the Cowboys are there. Um, but because the Cowboys play in a bad division, it's got kind of cancels itself out, but you know, let, listen, the chargers and I'll get to them in a second, Justin Herbert, I was wrong. Okay. Justin Herbert is an absolute beast. I, I didn't see anything at Oregon to suggest that he would be a really good NFL quarterback, but you know, he was kind of, you know, he was handcuffed at Oregon. They didn't really let him play to his fullest potential. Um, but yeah, like the Chargers, like they just find ways to lose games, you know, and Brandon Staley, if he doesn't stop with his analytics crap and doesn't, you know, you know, if he doesn't figure that analytics crap out and stops going forward so much on fourth down, you got to play with your intuition your, and you got to play with instinct. Like you can't just trust numbers. You got to trust your head to make the right decision. They, that's something that has to be fixed. But, you know, right now, I think, you know, Russell Wilson, new coach, new city. I, I think the honeymoon phase is going to be really interesting. Uh, obviously, I don't think Denver's weapons are better than DK Metcalf and Lockett right now. But I certainly think that Cortland Sutton is, has a very, very similar game to DK Metcalf. And I think Jerry Judy, you know, long term could be better than Tyler Lockett, you know, but these guys are young and they never they've never had competent quarterback play. Watch the Broncos receivers take off next year. Um, you know, they've put up pretty good numbers considering that, you know, they have Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke and Joe Flacco throwing to them over the past few years. Considering all of that, um, I would, I think Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, I think both of them can go for over a thousand yards next year. I like them both a lot, but, and now that they finally have a, 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 a elite quarterback, I think they're going to be fine. I expect Denver to compete for the division title next year. I don't know if they're going to win it because the chiefs have had a, a strangle on that division for the past few years, but. I'll give them a, a good chance. Uh, shifting to Khalil Mack. Um, yeah, a great trade for the Chargers. Uh, you know, they have plenty of cap space. You get a difference maker. You know, I think the Chargers saw the big picture, right? Okay, we got to play Derek Carr, Patrick Mahomes, and um, Russell Wilson now uh, six times the next couple years. So I think getting a getting a pass rusher that can make, you know, that can really be disruptive. I mean, Khalil Mack's had a really nice career. Um, you know, he's been a three-time first-team All-Pro, a Defensive Player of the Year in 2016, six-time Pro Bowler, second-team All-Pro. and But, you know, when I look at that Bears-Raiders trade, I mean, that was an absolute wash of a trade. I don't think either team won. Because if you look at it, the Bears got Khalil Mack. They got a second-round pick that later turned into Cole Komet. And then a, and then a seventh-round pick that turned into Arlington Hambray. And then, and then the Raiders got essentially a bunch of picks that turned into Josh Jacobs, Damon Arnett, Brian Edwards. Damon Arnett got cut by the Raiders. Brian Edwards is not really, is not a good NFL receiver. And then Josh Jacobs, he's had, a, he's had some injuries. 
So neither team won the trade. I thought, you know, the Bears probably won the trade because they made the playoffs the first year with Khalil Mack. They had the best defense in the league. But, you know, they they had diminishing returns, okay? I mean, Khalil Mack might have had the best debut for a new team in, in the history of the league against the Packers on Sunday night in 2018. He had, a, he had a sack, a forced fumble, a recovery, a pick, and a pick six. That's an incredible debut. Um you know, I think Khalil Mack will will benefit from a familiar um, familiar scenery, right? I mean, he's played against Patrick Mahomes. He's um, he's played against. He was teammates with Derek Carr. He's played against the Chargers. So I think Khalil Mack returning to a familiar division will benefit him. Um, you know, he played you know his first four years, four or five years of his career with in on the West Coast, and it's no coincidence either that. You know, the best years of, of Khalil Mack's career, three of his best four years came um, on the West Coast. You know, Khalil Mack hasn't top 10 sacks the past three seasons. I'm not sure if a lot of that has to do with, you know, the Bears are losing and their quarterback plays bad and, and the you know, Matt Nagy's just maybe not as good as we thought he was. I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, he's had some injuries too, but, you know, I'm not so sure why Khalil Mack's production is so low. Uh, it could be a combination of injuries and maybe, you know, at some point you're just done with the losing and the motivation to win is a little bit less, but, you know, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a great move um, for the chargers. I mean, you're, you're going, you know, at this point now, the AFC West is probably the best division in football on paper going into next year. And you need some guys that can go quarterback hunting and, and, and what better combo than Joey Bosa and, and Khalil Mack two elite pass rushers, a uh, great move for you know the the Chargers you know and they took advantage of the fact that the Bears were just essentially dumping salary um they only had to give up a second and a six round pick that's a great that's a great that's great value for the Chargers especially considering they get Khalil Mack for 3 years if they want to keep him for that long uh so great move by the Chargers um it makes their defense more uh, formidable and and you know honestly the AFC West is going to be one of the toughest divisions going into next year to predict how it's going to play out really um Carson Wentz you know, I've been one of Carson Wentz's biggest defenders, and you can ask any of my buddies, any of my friends, any family members that I've talked to Carson Wentz about. But I'm just kind of running out of excuses, right? Like, numbers-wise, yeah, like, last year wasn't terrible. Um, You know, threw for over 3,500 yards, 27 touchdowns to seven picks, but it's where those seven picks happened is where that concerns me, right? Okay, so, you know, we'll, we'll take a look back. We'll, we'll stroll down memory lane. Uh, Rams week two, Carson Wentz throws a shovel pass interception inside the two-yard line. That's one. Um, Carson Wentz threw a left-handed interception against the Titans in the end zone, which was a pick six. Um, he threw a couple really bad interceptions against Tampa, a couple bad interceptions against Jacksonville. Listen, Carson Wentz, I like him. He's got a lot of talent. Um, reminds me a lot of Big Ben. But, you know – a lot of the games that the, the Colts lost last year was because of Carson Wentz. You know, they lost to the Rams 27-24. Carson Wentz had a couple big turnovers in that game. They they blew a 25-3 lead against the Ravens. Listen, Wentz threw for over 400 yards that game, but they weren't able to execute down the stretch uh, against Tampa. They were winning most of that game until Carson Wentz started making mistakes. They lost at home to the Raiders, and then they got embarrassed by Jacksonville in Week 18. You know, Essentially, they only needed to win one game to clinch. And obviously, the Titans game on Halloween, you know, Carson Wentz gave away a few games last year. 
Um, I still think Carson Wentz is a good quarterback. I really do. Um, he's got a crazy talent, and I still believe he would have won MVP in 2017 had he not gotten hurt. But I'm at the point now where, you know, I'm starting to lose faith in Carson Wentz. You know, there have been numerous reports over the last few years that he's not a good teammate. He's not a good leader. Doesn't take criticism well. Those are horrible attributes to have as a face of the franchise, supposed leader of the team. I think this is Wentz's last opportunity. I truly do as, as a starter. I mean, he's essentially being handed the job. This is now the third team in a row that's going to hand him the job. Uh, listen, the Colts, they're a really well-run operation. They got a really good front office. Frank Reich is a good coach. And the fact that they gave up on Wentz after a year, that says a lot about Wentz to me. Um, you know, and I think that was more of Jim Irsay saying we need to trade him. But, you know, listen, you know, um, Wentz, you know, he he did okay. He did he played fine last year, given the fact that they don't have a lot of perimeter weapons around him. It was basically Michael Pittman and Jonathan Taylor. Now, you know, he's going to go to a team that has probably more weapons. Uh, it's Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, um, Logan Thomas. Adam Humphreys, you know, there, there are some weapons. Um, there are some weapons in Washington. Um, they obviously have to address their offensive line, but their defense has got a lot of young talent that kind of underachieved last year. Listen, this is Wentz's last chance. I truly believe that if Wentz doesn't play well next year, and, you know, Washington, Washington doesn't have to make the playoffs, but the fact that the NFC now is not as deep or as good as the AFC. I mean, Washington should be competing for a division or a wild card berth. Um, but like I said, this is Wentz's last chance. You only get so many chances to be a bona fide starter. Uh, Wentz definitely could be a backup. I don't know if his ego could take that hit, but uh, this this is his last chance for me to be a lock starter where no matter where he goes, he's going to get the job. Uh, because if he flames out after this year from here on out, he's going to have to compete for every opportunity. Thanks for listening to the Get a Grip podcast. My takes on the biggest NFL news. Tune in for my March 